Good evening, guys. Are you good? Amazing, eh? Craig and Dawn, they've been leading for 16 years, but at 13 years, they had 50 people in their church. True? They're all sitting there. <laughs> 13 years, 50 people in your church. Did I, can I mention that? 13 years, 50 people in your church. 16 years, 250 people in your church. So between 13 and 16, exponential growth. How easily could you have given up after 13 with 50? I said, hey Lord, I've done my best, I've plowed, I've worked this thing, I actually can't do this. Is this it? They are tenacious. They are incredibly tenacious. They are being gracious with the story that they're telling you. And uh, very proud of them. But uh, tonight I want to talk about fruitfulness. And um, it's not so much a preach. I feel like I want to I want to envision your hearts again around fruitfulness and then I want to minister to your hearts around fruitfulness. So that's it. It's like, it's more, it's more, it's not a teaching so much as, I'm going to use a whole lot of scripture on that so don't get nervous. Tim, relax, but, 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 I'm, but, I, but I do, but I feel like there's a deposit of something that God wants to do. And uh, I want to read out of Leviticus, actually prepared out of Ezekiel this afternoon, but I'm going to go back to Leviticus. And the reason why I'm going to do that is um, part of the backstory or the context is beginning of the year, we've had a number of prophetic words over us as a church, and one of them is Isaiah 54, Singer Barren Woman. And uh, Singer Barren Woman and Shout for Joy, You Who Never Had a Child. That kind of that text of, ex, ex, and it, it goes on to say, because more of the children of the desolate woman than, than of her who had a husband. And it says, enlarge the place of your tent, um, open wide your tent curtains, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, do not hold back, it says, goes on to say. And it says, forget the shame of your youth, you'll not be humiliated. It says, go for it. Basically, this woman that is, um, that is barren, and nobody wants to marry a, marry a barren woman in those days because then there's no children, which means there's no future, which means there's no financial future, which means there's no f uh, protection, there's no future. You don't get married to a woman that you know that's barren. And so there she's sitting there with lots of shame, with lots of humiliation, and God comes to her, and, her, and she happens to be Israel who has become barren because she's walked away from her God. And he, in fact, in Jeremiah chapter three, it says uh, he issued her with a certificate of divorce. And he comes back to her as he always does. And he says, now, lady, I want you to start to sing. And he doesn't, sing, sing, he doesn't say sing fruitful woman, he says sing barren woman. So part of this, part of this is, is actually it's a prophetic 
stirring to say, actually part of the fruitfulness that God wants us to step into is something that is yet to come, but there's something that we've got to do in expectation and anticipation of what God wants us to do. In faith, shout for joy, sing praises to him. And he says, don't hold back. I want you to begin to increase. I want you to begin to expand. I want you to begin to think big and I want you to stop holding back because you're worried about what's going to happen or what's not going to happen. Anyway, that was the, the text for us and we've been working through this. What does it look like? And so we've been on a little bit of a series on fruitfulness and what does it mean to be fruitful and looking at all those texts. So I had a, we had a men's meeting on Saturday and I uh, spoke about fruitfulness. And I read Leviticus 26. I don't know if you guys know Leviticus 26. And I also spoke about Mark chapter 4, which is the parable of the sower, a well-known text that all of you will know, parable of the sower, different, same seed, different soils, different hearts, the same conditions, same climatic conditions, same seed. The only thing that's different is the soil. 30, and, and the good soil produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. Anyway, so after the meeting, I, uh, when was this? Uh, yesterday, what was yesterday? Wednesday. So Tuesday, talk about this. Tuesday, I get a deposit into my account for 3,000 Rand, and it says, just says, the reference is Leviticus. I'm thinking, geez, that's quite cool. Yesterday morning, I get a deposit into my account for 6,000 Rand and it just says Leviticus. Yesterday afternoon, I'm thinking, hey Lord, hey, come, let's keep going, keep going. <laughs> Yesterday afternoon, I get a deposit into my account for 10,000 Rand and it just says Leviticus. And I thought, oh, there it is, it's 30, 60, 100, it's the... So that's why I'm reading Leviticus to you. Because <laughs> I believe God wants to make us extraordinarily fruitful. And when we read Leviticus, there is a, there's something on that that actually explodes in our hearts that actually says God has designed you to be fruitful. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, he blessed them. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. It's like in the very DNA of the human being is a fruitfulness. And in the very DNA of a redeemed human being in Christ is a restored fruitfulness that is 30, 60, and 100 fold. And I, wanna, and, I, and I believe God wants to open up the gates over our lives. And so that's the intent in which I come with. And so this is what it says. Understanding that God has appointed us for fruitfulness, it says in John chapter 15, verse 16. God has appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. God has appointed us. The one thing I know from the text is that the soil is the difference, which is my heart. And so all the time I'm saying, Lord, help me. Help me with my heart, Lord. Let the seed, the word of God, fall in my heart. This is what it says in Leviticus 26, verse 1. It says, do not make idols or set up an image 
or a sacred stone for yourselves and do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. I am the Lord your God. Basically keep Jesus at the center of everything. Don't set up anything before me. Keep me at the center. Don't get swayed. Don't get distracted. Keep me at the center. Keep your eyes on me. Take your eyes off of YouTube. Take your eyes off of Biz News, which is wonderful but sad news a lot of the time. Take your eyes off American politics. Not going to help you at all. Put your eyes back on me. Don't get distracted. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. It's an amazing thing. Observe my Sabbaths. Make sure you find your rest in me. Make sure that you know that I am the provider. When I am provider, you can rest from your work. You don't have to work 24-7 like Pharaoh makes you. When, I, when you know that I'm your God, you take a rest. You can put down the tools and I will provide. And you find your rest in me. He says, make sure you do this. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, follow and, and if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send rain in its season. And the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest and grape harvest will continue until planting and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. Basically, follow Jesus with all of your heart and you'll get from God what you need and when you need it. Fruitfulness. So what I'm talking about when I say fruitfulness, I'm not talking about, I mean, I use the example of a financial thing, but it's not, I'm not just talking about financial prosperity. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel, financial. I'm talking about a flow of the life of God that when we minister, when wherever we are, there's life, there's joy, there's contentment, there's peace, there's a flow of the life of God in our lives. I'm talking about that. That's what I'm talking about, fruitful. I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. How's that? I'll grant peace in your land, and no one will make you afraid. Imagine a life like that. You see, that's a fruitful life where fear is a distant thing. Peace is part of our portion. I'll remove the wild beasts from your land and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies and they will fall by the sword before you. Basically, you'll become an overcomer and the peace and love of God will fill your hearts. It's this incredible, fruitful life of God. This peace, this shalom, this prosperity, this life of God that flows in and through his people. Then he says, five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. Together, I've ordained it that together, I'm gonna put you together and together you will accomplish far more than you can individually. 
You see the numbers there. Five will chase 100, and 100, and 100 of you will chase 10,000. The ratios ratchet up in God, in the fruitful life and the flow of God. I will look upon you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers and I will keep my covenant with you. It's radical, Lord Jesus. Increase your numbers amongst us. Where our churches, our ministries, our lives are such wellsprings of life that the numbers just increase because God's there. Because the presence of God is there. And I will keep my covenant with you. It's like I'm going to do all the work. See, God's faithfulness will mean our fruitfulness. That's what Craig and Dawn have told us. God's faithfulness has meant their fruitfulness. I want to remind us of these things. I am so stirred that God wants his church fruitful. And when I say his church, I'm meaning you and me and the people that sit in the seats of our churches every Sunday that want fruitful lives. You still will be eating. Listen to this one. I want this. Lord, help me with this one. You still will be eating last year's harvest when you'll have to move it out and make room for the new one. It means you're going to have so much money in the bank that the month, the month is going to come before the money ends. It means that you're going to have more than enough. You're going to have to get rid of that and then I'm going to have to get the new month in. Radical. You'll still be eating last year's harvest. Then you have to move it out and make room for the new one. You'll have more than enough. I'll put my dwelling place among you. And maybe this is the most profound blessing we can have under God. I will put my dwelling place among you. And I will not abhor you. I'll put my presence among you. I'll live with you. I'll dwell with you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. What an incredible promise. An Old Testament promise promise how much more in Christ how much more fulfillment in Christ I pray that God would lift our heads that we believe that God has called us to be fruitful in our personal capacities fruitful in our work and ministry capacities fruitful in our marriages, fruitful. 
that doesn't necessarily mean more children, but fruitful. If you need more children, bless you. I look at the, I look at the Ezekiel 47 river of life. It flows from the temple, and the further away it gets from the temple, the deeper it gets. It's not like a normal river. A normal river starts deep and gets shallower. This river, the fir- within two k's, you can't swim in it. Because it's so, and it's teeming with life. The, the text makes it, sound, it makes, it compares the life within the river with the Mediterranean Sea. It's got an ecosystem within this river the same as the sea. It's like a, it's, it's mind-blowing. And this river is flowing to the east. And if you've been to Israel and you've been in, in, and you've stood in the old city and you know that to the west is the Mediterranean Sea and to the east is the Dead Sea, this river is flowing into the Dead Sea. It's flowing into the desert. It's flowing into the Dead Sea. And it says when it comes into contact with the Dead Sea, the the seawater, the seawater that is 35% salinated, it's so dense that you can float in it. It instantly becomes fresh. You would think that that water would make the fresh water contaminated, but it's not that way around. The fresh water makes the salt water fresh. It's this incredible life, and it says there's fishermen on the sides fishing. Around the river, it's got trees. It's got trees that leaves that never grow, that are always green. It's got that, that are, and, and there's, there's healing in the, in the trees, and there's industry. There's fishermen doing their thing. Around this river of life. It's not just this church thing. It's this industry. It's life. It's... It says, in, in fact, some of the, they leave some of the salt pans as they are. In verse 11, I think it says. I looked at it and I thought, what, do, what does that mean? Does it mean, well, some people then don't choose that. They don't have to choose the life. Then I read a commentator that said, no, they left some of that there because they want some of the minerals from there. A whole business gets established because the salt and the minerals from that area can be used. It's where this river flows, there's just life, and life abundant. I want to remind us that God has called us to live a fruitful life. And he doesn't just call us to do it, he empowers us to do it. And there are many factors and I can't say that there is this and there's that and there's a formula to it. But the scriptures seem to say that one of the factors is the soil of our hearts. And I feel like God wants to minister to the soil of some of our hearts. And it says in the parable of the sower, there was hard soil, there was shallow soil, and there was choked up soil. And in the hard soil, the seed fell and the enemy came and stole the seed the word of God. And in the shallow soil, it took root, and because it was shallow, when the heat of the day came, it didn't have enough, it didn't have enough depth, and so it fell away and got taken out. And so hearts, kind of, there's no depth there, so you, 
No depth with God. It's probably the plot of the church. No depth with God. And then there's the choked up soil. And in that there is, it says, it, it talks about the, the, the worries of life. There's three things that it talks about. I'm just trying to find them here. Yeah? It talks about the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire of other things. Come and choke it up. It's like weeds and thorns that come around the thing. It starts to grow up and then it gets choked up, choked out. And if it was specifically talking to church leaders, there'd be another three or four things there. Worries of life, deceitfulness of wealth, desire for other things. Besides God, we're caught up with all sorts of things. And it says it chokes out the life of God so that this field doesn't become fruitful. And he goes on to say, but the good soil, it hears the word, accepts the word, receives it, and then it uses the word produces, but actually the word means bears. It bears fruit. Because produces like a, to me is like a production thing. It's like an automated, like a factory thing. But a, but a plant that is planted, it bears something. It doesn't try to, it just does. Because it's planted, it just bears fruit. It's not, it's not like on a, well it's now time, you, you must. No, it just when it gets planted in season, it just bears fruit. It says it receives the word, it hears the word, it accepts the word, and then it just begins to bear fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold. 30 is the smallest version. I'm thinking, Lord, please, 30 fold. Hearts. Craig and Dawn had to wait 13 years plowing along with Andrew and the team there, plowing. Plowing, planting, watering, planting, watering, and suddenly God brings the growth. You see, this growth, this fruitfulness has got to do with God because it's his word. But it's also our hearts if we understand the parable. So I end with this illustration. So powerful, so vivid to me. So we've got two water coolers. We've got one over there, and then we've got another one over there. And these water coolers, they kind of, your water comes in and then gets cold, and you've got a tap thing there, you put water in a water cooler thing. It's like plumbed in. So that one has always worked beautifully. You put your thing there, keeps putting cold water. That one over there, for years, for years, has not worked properly. We have taken the thing in, taken that thing apart, looked at the filters, looked at the tubes. I mean, it has just been thing after thing. What's going on with this thing? Get a new one. What's going on? Anyway, eventually one of the guys, a couple of weeks ago, decides to get in the back takes the cupboard apart and gets into the back end of this thing. It's like all dark and dingy and difficult to access, difficult to get into, like stretching across. 
and he sees one of these things. Um, if you wouldn't mind putting that thing up. He sees this thing. Does anybody know what that is? It's called a pressure-reducing valve. So water comes in there at high pressure. It's got like a spring on it that's meant to move up and down. And then it come, you, you set it, and then it comes out at a lower pressure so that it can go into the machine. So anyway, Andre's there, and he sees this thing, so he like taps it a bit, hey, flip, the thing starts flowing. So he realizes, oh, flip, this is connected to that, works. And, you know, it's kind of a process of elimination. And he thought, well, no, maybe he's undone whatever, it's working. Oh, no. It works for a bit, empties the thing, and it stops flowing, and problem again. So he realized now that that's the problem. So we get the plumber in, he comes in, he has to turn off the whole water in the whole building. It's like a whole story. Gets in there, gets in the back, oaks been bending over there, one oak with a torch, one oak here. Now he's trying to undo this thing and he's trying to, I mean that thing's been there since the building was built there, so it's like 20 something years. So it's, he, he undoes, eventually he takes this thing out and he then takes it to his van out there. So I'm like completely curious, I love this stuff. So I'm like, actually, what's happening here? I want to know what's going on. So I go out, I follow him out to his van. Hence the story, otherwise I wouldn't have the story. So I follow him out to his van, and he's like there, and now he's saying, yeah, he's going to just take, take, take this apart and check it out, you know? Dude, he cannot take that thing apart, right? He is hitting it, tapping it, spraying it, shh, spraying this thing, lube this thing, trying to tap it, tap it. Bobby John Spanner's flipping, trying to, can't, up and get this thing apart. And he's sweating and battling and battling and battling and sweating. Eventually I say, hey, Tim, but how much is that thing? He says, ah, oh, it's like a thousand bucks. I said, but your time, how much is your time? Because eventually, like eventually your time and that thing, you just go and buy a new one. <laughs> I'm like on an economy drive here, bro. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to prove a point to fix the thing. It's like whatever's cheapest we're going to do. Anyway, no, 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 hey, no, no, it's fine. Anyway, it's, this is like after 40 minutes, I'm getting impatient, you know. So eventually, I tell me, he works it, works it, works it, and eventually the thing just comes undone. Bottom part comes undone, top part comes undone. And then he turns the thing around, and inside this thing where this little, little spring and this thing is, it's all full of like little white bits of paint, or I don't know what it is, but it's just jammed solid. So this thing's completely not working at all. So it's literally, it flows for a bit and then it just jams, like it just completely jams. There's no flow through it. So anyway, now he battles for another 15 minutes like trying to get this thing apart and unclog this thing and get it. Eventually it comes apart, spraying, hitting, tapping, whole story, pulls it apart, cleans it up, sandpapers it, pulls it, puts it back together again puts it, now, if, if, is it going to work? Who knows? Because you know, it could have been an old school kind of vibe. So it puts it back in, tightens it back in, turns everything back on, and then I'm like, now I'm going to test this thing. I get in jugs of water. <laughs> fill that jug up. Next jug, fill that jug up. Next jug, fill. Hey, this thing's working. Never done that before. It always runs out. We've conquered the flipping water fountain. I feel like I've taken over the world. Like finally, yeah. But in the process, but in the process, 
I feel God say this to me. This is exactly like our hearts. Because a fruitful life is a fountain of life. A fruitful life has flow in it. And what happens is over years, we just get stuck. And we're meant to have this pressure-reducing ability where life's pressures come at us and we can just take up the pressure and spit out an appropriate pressure or appropriate amount of whatever we're meant to do for our families, for our church, whatever we're doing in our workplace. And what eventually happens is either that thing gets jammed open so there's no pressure reducing and it's just and it's just full ball or actually just jams solid and actually we, we stop flowing. And just like this thing, it's always difficult to access. It's the bottom 10% of the iceberg. It's the bottom 20% of the iceberg that we never give access to God or people. And so what happens is we get to a point and we just get jammed. You have to take the cupboard apart to get it. You have to, take the, you have to get into the difficult places. And maybe it's never been opened up before. Never been given access to before. And maybe you've had a couple of taps here and there and you've kind of got through it and you get by and you have an issue and then you tap it a bit and it gets through and it's okay, but, but it's never the flow of God. It's never the flow that he intended it, designed it to be, where it doesn't run out. Where it can be free-flowing so that everybody can drink. My, pressure, my question to us tonight is how's yours and my pressure-reducing valve? How's it? Because God wants us fruitful. God wants us, Ezekiel 47 and Leviticus 26, fruitful. And there are many plans in the sovereignty of God and there are many things that God wants to do and he's orchestrating in the timing of his but I do know this one thing, the condition of our hearts do matter. And if they're clogged, and if they're jammed, you're not gonna flow. And it's very, very easy, it's very, very easy in ministry to get jammed and get stuck. Through hurts, through disappointments, through mismet expectations, through, you know, the, you know the word disappointment? Disappoint. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It's like you think you get overlooked for an appointment. And so you get disappointed. So you get offended. Oh God, you've overlooked me. So you get disappointed. Maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe unforgiveness has just unclogged you, just got you clogged. Whatever it is, friends, I feel like tonight God wants to set us free. I feel like God wants to do some work in our pressure-reducing valves 
so that our, the fountains of our ministries, of our families, of our lives can flow again. Because the Leviticus 26 promise is for us. God appointed us to be fruitful. I know what it's like to be disappointed, be in ministry, be in these things. I don't know, somebody, somebody said tonight, oh, yeah, it's, you're coming into the thing, but actually leading the team and adjusting to the team was the hard part. Ministry is easy. Relationships hard. <laughs> Ministry easy. Leading a team hard. You know why? Because it hits the insecurities of our heart. And anything that's jammed gets exposed. Just as the guys play, I wonder if that's you tonight. I'd love to pray for you. And a few of us would love to pray for you. I really felt like there's a 30, 60, 100-fold blessing that God wants to release over us in our churches and our ministries. And, that, and, I, and I probably wouldn't have gone there if it wasn't the 3,600 thousand, ten thousand that came into my account but I felt like God was talking to me and to us I felt like it was Lord thank you for choosing me to do this on the other side of that tap on the other side of that water fountain is people that need your fruit you know fruit wasn't actually for you it was for the others that get to eat of it I'm saying, God, please take the junk out of my heart, Lord. Today I had to deal with a, the bad news of a, of a couple that wants to go to another church. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Love us, love the church, just felt like a new season, new thing. I'm still like, God, oh, know what that's like, hard personal. No, it's not personal. No, it is personal. It's hard. Disappointments. Things haven't worked out the way you think. I just want to let you know 13 years, 50 people. Faithfulness God leads to the fruitfulness of God. So Father, we just pray, Lord. Father, we just, we thank you for what you're wanting to do, Lord. I, I pray, Lord God, that this moment, believe it's from you, Lord God, orchestrated by you, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you would come and unclog hearts tonight, Lord God. Get the valves working again, Lord. Get the valves working again, Lord. Let the flow start to happen again, Lord God. Holy Spirit, you've been tapping and you've been spraying and you've been 
tapping and you've been spraying and you've been tapping and you've been spraying and you've been tapping and you've been spraying and you've been tapping and you've been spraying to unlock and undo and to Father, I pray tonight, Lord God, things would just come apart, Lord. And you would finish some work, Lord, that you've started already in these men and women's lives, Lord. Your leaders, Lord. Your servants, Lord God. Bless them, Lord God. Minister to them, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.